leaves are going to fall and the snow is going to fly. And that's what it reminds me of. So <clears throat> it's not, uh, not my favorite time of the year. Spring is, because then I have summer and fall to look forward to. But when fall comes, the only thing you have to look forward to is winter. And But we we tend to make it through, don't we? Luke chapter 7, we're going to read one verse to get started. It is verse 20, and it says, When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And uh, I'm going to talk about Jesus is better. And let's go, Lord. Father, you're awesome. We love and praise you. We give you glory and the honor. We ask for your help this morning, God, in your holy word, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Everyone said amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. And uh, we understand uh, some things about John the Baptist and uh, uh, John the Baptist being a forerunner of Jesus and and this, that, the other. Also a cousin of Jesus. Uh, Many people don't realize that he was a cousin of Jesus. Um, His mom and... uh, and Jesus's mom, Mary and Elizabeth, were sisters, and so a lot of people don't don't realize that. But uh, anyway, so he was a forerunner of the Messiah, um, the 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 Lord, the the Christ that we know today um, as Jesus Christ. Obviously, um, Jesus was the one who Isaiah spoke of in chapter nine, verse six of Isaiah: "For unto us a child." is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace jesus was that one that isaiah was writing about when we look at um, at the verse that we are in john the baptist is in prison he's he's in prison and uh, he's been preaching he's been preaching about jesus He's been preaching about this Messiah that's coming. And he's in prison. He's fixing to get his head chopped off. Literally, he's beheaded. I think I would be asking if Jesus was the one too. Um, I'm, I'm about to lose my head for preaching about this guy that I truly believe is Messiah. And I'm going to get my head cut off for it. I just need to know, is he the one, or should we be looking for somebody else? Would you ask that question if you were in his position? Of course, we're, you know, we're in the 21st century. We already know that Jesus was the one. We, we know the rest of the story. But imagine John not having a clue. He'd seen miracles. He'd heard of the miracles. He'd seen he'd seen a lot of different things, but but uh, but he hadn't seen the crucifixion or the resurrection like we have. He has he hadn't seen the the baptism of the Holy Spirit like we have today. He didn't know any of that stuff. All he knew was he 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 grew up realizing there was something about him. He was baptizing one day, and the Lord revealed that Jesus was it. And he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world." He preached it, he prophesied it, he lived it, he was breathing it, and he was dying for it. Is he the one? Should we be looking for another? Would you ask that question? I would, if I was in his position, because up until now, there's nobody preaching Jesus and dying for it course we've had we, we've had countless people die for the name of jesus since then but but up until now nobody had been preaching about him and dying so we see a lot of scriptures that that um, john prophesies about jesus and talks about him and preaches about him but but uh, but here he is in this place of imprisonment he's he's in despair i mean i would be as well i'd be in a point of despair i've been i've been promoting this guy to be messiah 
and they're going to kill me for it. I've been, I've been preaching about him. I've been pointing people to him, and they're going to kill me for it. I think before I die, I need to know if he's the one. Or should I be looking for another? Should we be looking for another? He just wants to know if Jesus is the real deal or not. But the crazy thing is, he had seen the miracles. He had seen all the prophecies of the Old Testament uh, uh, unveiling themselves in Jesus Christ. He wasn't, he wasn't just kind of sitting back saying, yeah, none of this is happening. I haven't seen anything coming out of his life. He, had, he wasn't sitting back. He, he actually had seen that. But the question is, is Jesus better? Is he better than John's baptism? Is he better than the prophets before him? Is he better than the others that, that God would send to change the world? Is he, is he better than the angels? Is he better than the world has ever seen? Is, 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 is he better? Or should we be looking for somebody else? Hmm. So, so people... People see this, they, they see that lives are being changed, people are being delivered, the uh, relationships are being mended, families are healed, souls are saved. They're, they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, I see all this stuff happening, but is it Jesus or is it some program? Because honestly, Many churches have resorted to social programs because Jesus hasn't worked for them. The reason Jesus hasn't worked for them is because they haven't let Jesus actually in the church. They're scared to have Jesus actually in the church. I had a conversation not long ago with, with uh, somebody about, uh, about uh, uh, some, you know, you always, you always hear the question, um, if, if Jesus is the same, how come there's all these churches are different? Well, anybody ever uh, that has ever studied church history or, or even looked at church history uh, on the face of church history, you don't even have to really study it to, to really understand, to recognize that, uh, that, that the, the reason there are so many churches is because some people have only gotten this close to Jesus and they think that's the closest they can get, so they start a church on that. This is the spot that I'm at. I'm going to start a church right here. You can see in the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you can see these different ones that had their opinions and they had their beliefs and, and they, they got so far and they said, all right, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw a circle around myself right here and, and whoever wants to come into my circle and, and, and learn from what I have to tell them, I'm going to be able to teach them all I know about Jesus Christ. And they don't really say, discover him through his word. You know, the, the truth of the matter is we need to find the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of opinion. We need to find the real deal. And John the Baptist is out preaching that he was the real deal and he's getting killed for it. And, and so he just wants to know, is he the real deal or not? Because I don't know if I should be dying for this. I don't know if I'm dying for a purpose that is bigger than me or if I'm dying for some stupid idea. And I just want to know, is he the one we're looking for? Or should we be looking for another? Verse 21 of the same chapter says, In that same hour He cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind gave He sight. In that same hour. 
We've seen through history that sometimes it takes sometimes it takes a drastic measure to bring about a revival. Sometimes it takes a real severe drastic measure to bring about revival. We we have to answer the question, is this about me or is it about God? Because if it's about me, we're only going so far. But if it's about God, I don't matter. We have to we we have to come to grips with it is am I just praying not my will but thine be done just because it's in the in in the verse or or am I really praying it because I want the will of God done in my life. It's interesting to me that these men showed up wanting to know if he was the real deal or not. He was busy healing and delivering and setting people free from stuff that was destroying their lives. I, I, I almost wonder if, if people come to, to, to Alaska, come to ALC wondering, is, is the real deal here or not? Because people really do want the real deal. They might be scared of it when it, when it actually gets right up in their face. It's been, it's been said for many, many years, when Jesus actually show, shows up in church, most people leave the church because Jesus actually showed up. Because, you know, the crazy thing is, we can't get in the presence of God without being challenged to change. When we get in the presence of God, we are challenged to change. And some people are just no. I just kind of like I, I kind of like everything the way, the way it is, until, until things start falling apart, until uh, until they they they're so tired of struggling, until they're so uh, so tired of being uh, concerned about their own self that everything around them is falling apart. There's going to come a day when when selfishness is not going to be very fun. There's going to come a day when serving yourself is not going to be very fun. There, there's always that time where, 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 where it, it, it seems to be so much greater to just serve yourself, take care of yourself, just, just, just keep pushing and pushing and pushing yourself and, and, and doing great, wonderful, mighty things. But then, but then there's going to come a day when you're going to wake up and you're going to say, I, I, I don't want to just serve myself anymore. I think I... I and the crazy thing is, we weren't serving ourselves the whole time anyway. We were either serving God or we were serving the devil. When you serve self, you're not serving God. You're serving the devil. His purpose, his purpose is wily. I mean, he's wily. He wants, to, he wants to push you as far as you can go away from God without God. Don't don't you don't need God for this. You don't need God for that. You can you can say everything about God, but to, you know he he wants to push you and push you but until you wake up and realize what in the world am I doing? Because I don't have anything if I don't have Jesus. When we're young, that doesn't seem to be important. But the older we get, it becomes real important. You remember, you remember when people used to say, when you got married, you settled down? Nobody ever really understood that until they got married. And then they realized, I know, I know now what settling down means. It, means. it means that I'm not free just to do whatever I want to do anymore. I've got to I've got to take care of a family. I've got to take care of things that are responsible and and and, and things like that. And so so people people start to understand that only when they're involved in that. When we're walking with God, when we're walking with God, we have to understand I have a bigger picture to look at. I have a huge kingdom that I get to be involved in and I it doesn't matter. I don't need to be a captain or a general. I just, I just want to be in the kingdom. 
So we need to answer a question. If imprisoned people come to us, do we have an answer to get them out of their soul's prison? Or do we imprison them a little further? Some people think, you know, being a Christian is getting shackled down and you're just got to be, you just got to be tied up and shackled down and you're, you're, you're religiously abused. I've heard, I, I've heard that, that, that people are getting religiously abused. I, I, I truly think that if all this is a religion, you are going to be abused by it. But if you love God, there's not going to be any abuse at all. You're going to, you're going to, it's freedom. It's freedom when you love the Lord. And so, and so we, we just, have to, just have to get people in the presence of God and let Him do the work. We need Jesus. They need Jesus. We need the love of God. They need the love of God. We need something that puts our lives back together. They need something that puts their lives back together. We need something that can heal and deliver us. They need something that can heal and deliver them. It's not us against them. It's us us with them we're a little bit closer to Jesus but we're not in heaven yet it's not us being religious and them being heathen it's us knowing our God and, and wanting everybody to come along with us. If you pass me up, praise God for it. If you learn more than I do, praise God for it. If, if, if you stand and preach the gospel to thousands, praise God for it. It's not us against them. It's not me against you. It's not. It's it's all of us trying to get to heaven together. Verse twenty two. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John the things that ye have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor. The gospel is preached. The Lord's ministry was something that the world had never seen before. They had never seen it before. They had seen religion. They had seen a lot of, they had seen a lot of the Word of God being, being preached and this and that and the other. In the Old Testament, they saw some miracles. They saw water parting. They saw, they saw a lot of things, but, but they had never seen what He was bringing. I mean, nobody was raised from the dead in the Old Testament. There was no Lazarus coming out of the tomb in the Old Testament. There was no Jairus' daughter starting to breathe again in the Old Testament. Jesus brought power into this world that they had never seen before. Go tell John the things that you've seen. I think that's pretty cool because go tell somebody the things that you've seen God do. Go tell somebody. You want, you want life to be more abundant? Tell somebody what the Lord has done. If we're quiet about it, we're just going to see everybody go their merry way. They're going to do their stuff. We might even get involved with them. Uh-oh. But if we tell them who we are, and tell them who He is. Well, they might think I'm a freak. Are you kidding me? Have you looked at the geography of this world lately? They think we're a freak? Uh-uh. They're not going to think we're a freak at all. I mean, there's some pretty freaky stuff out there. I saw some lady the other day, she had like, like three things poking out of her lip and all I could think of is, my goodness, that's just like a, a fish that, got, that, that chewed on two or three hooks. That almost scared me. I was like, that's, that's just got to hurt. That's just got to hurt. Who would do that? How, how do you eat a hamburger like that? 
and they're sticking things in their nose. I'm like, man, I, I have to blow my nose once in a while. How do they do that? Then through their cheek, like I'd be, I'd, chew, I'd be chewing on that thing. I don't understand it. I, just, I don't get it. I don't get it. But all the stuff that, that people do and, and their, their ears that get so gigantic from the gauges that they put in, all the stuff that they do. Now, don't think that people are going to look at you cross-eyed when all that stuff is in front of you all the time. In fact, I think it's kind of fun to go and talk to people like that that, that that have done all that crazy stuff. I think it's fun to go and talk to them and tell them about the about how God can fill them with His Spirit. And they'll talk in other tongues and be like, what? And I'm thinking, you're looking at me weird. Look at the stuff you've done to yourself. To what purpose? I can't be the only one that thinks that's kind of strange. But, I, but at the same time, I've seen many of those folks come to the Lord. Don't think that they don't want Jesus. They, to do stuff that they're doing, they want something. They want something to do the stuff they're doing. And don't think that anybody's going to look at you kind of cross-eyed because you're talking about Jesus. Give them the real deal and find out. That's really what they've been looking for. They've been looking for the real deal. They've had enough of the other stuff. Give them the real deal. They've had so many false Christs and so many false messiahs preached to them. They've had so many religions promising them so much. They're looking for Jesus. Go tell John. Go tell John. Tell them about the things you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers cleanse, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. To the poor, the gospel is preached. Now see, that, that last little phrase, to the poor, the gospel is preached. That last little phrase, people, people don't really understand that one. Well, what do you mean? Isn't the gospel supposed to be preached everywhere? You see, the culture that Jesus was living in is not too different. I mean, it, it was much different in some ways than ours, but not too different. How many people that are that are homeless or, or um, um, I don't know, just down and out that you just walk by that you pay no attention to, who tells them about Jesus? See, most of them were lepers, and if they had leprosy, you you walked as far away from around them as you could. You didn't want to contact that. You did not want to touch that mess. It's like when AIDS first came out. I don't, you kids wouldn't remember that, but uh, in fact, Sister Eastman and Brother Leon probably the only two in here that would remember it when when AIDS first came out. I mean, oh my, you didn't want to get any, and you didn't want to even you. You stayed a quarter mile from anybody that was bleeding. You didn't want anybody breathing on you because you're going to get it. I mean, they thought they they they, they acted like, uh oh, you're stay away, stay far, far, far away. I mean, it was it was amazing. And far the further away you can get, the safer you were. You didn't want to get anywhere close. It was kind of like what it was then. The poor were avoided. Nobody talked to them. Nobody would get close to them. They were probably stinky. They were they they didn't they didn't you know take care of themselves. They they didn't have any money to take care of them. They were probably begging and 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 this and that. So everybody avoided them. They were not allowed in the house of God. Uh uh-uh. uh. You just don't go into the house of God, you know, unless you're cleaned up. 
because they did. They bathed before they went into the temple. They had they had little bathhouses and stuff, and they washed before they went in because most of the time they were going on a journey, and they, they, they walked to the house of God, so they were dirty and stuff, and they didn't want to go in the house of God without clean hands. But they made it a religion that you don't go to the house of God dirty. They, they made it a religion. Instead of a, a respectful thing to clean up before the house of God, they made it a religion. You don't ever come here without that. So, so the poor never got the word of God. They never heard the gospel. So when Jesus said to the, the poor, the gospel is being preached. That alone, that alone was a, was, was a change altogether from the Word of God getting to anybody. Just the fact that the gospel was being preached to the poor. People thought, what in the world? That just, you know. But Jesus was doing things that, that, that nobody else would do. He was, going, he was going to the poor and He was preaching to them. Nobody was doing this stuff. Are we world changers? Are we way makers? Are we going to see people living? Are people going to see us living what we believe? Are they going to see us, well, you know, I only believe that when I'm in church type of deal. Jesus did go on and say, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. You know, the amazing thing is when you love somebody, you don't care what people think. When you love Jesus, you really don't care what they think. But when you don't love Jesus, you're worried about what other people might think of you. People might think I'm weird if I love the Lord. (laughs) We're not weird anymore. I think the world has passed us up on that. The world has really passed us up on the weird factor. John's ministry was one of repentance. Um, Jesus told them in John 10.10, one of the most common scriptures that people know the thief cometh not but for to steal to kill and to destroy i am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly jesus is telling them that he was not only to fulfill the prophecies of the preaching of john the baptist but he was also come to give them life more abundantly now the the world promises a lot of pleasure and and there is a lot of pleasure if you have the money you can have a lot of pleasure there's it's unlimited because if you can pay for the pleasure it's unlimited to what you can have for pleasure the world offers a lot of pleasure and and the lord is not against pleasure he's not if 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 you if you've ever read your bible the lord you know he he's a god of laughter and he's a god of excitement and he's a god of celebration um he's not against pleasure he's against sinful pleasure He's not against pleasure. Now, Hebrews 11.25 says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, if you're, if you're reading about this, now this is, um, th- this is about Moses. In Hebrews 11, it's about Moses. And, and, and Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than live as an Egyptian any longer. As an Egyptian, he had everything. So uh, Paul's life and ministry was, was not a time of suffering. Um, uh, all of his life and ministry was not a time of suffering. So this is talking about uh, Paul as well. Uh, he, he wasn't, you know, we, we see the Apostle Paul as, man, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was, he was lashed, he was left for dead. He was, you know, we, we see the Apostle Paul as some guy that just suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered. But he didn't all the time. I mean, check out when he was uh, 
when he was in prison. He was in his own house. Preaching the gospel. While he was in prison. I mean, he was, he was able to, to come and go and preach the word of God while he was imprisoned for the longest time. I mean, yeah, he was thrown in dungeons and this and that and the other, but I mean, when he was, when he was put in the tightest chains, he praised God and the chains broke. So I think they, they learned that, hey, why, we don't need to put him in chains. Why even bother? Because he's, he's just going to praise God and the chains are going to break and the earthquake is going to destroy the rest of the prison anyway. So why don't we just go ahead and give him his own house and, and let him preach the word. And they did. Because every time they drove Paul to the edge of breaking and stopping the preaching business, every time they stoned him, every time they lashed him, every time they left him for dead, every time they tried to kill him for it, every time they tried to shackle him down and tighten him down and and, and zip his lip and stop him from it, he just praised God all the more. Things broke open. People started coming to Jesus. And and, and there wasn't any way possible that they could stop this guy from preaching the word of god so in the end they didn't even try to put him he was in house arrest he had his own house he was able to preach the word of god and the bible says freely while he was in prison yes eventually he lost his life for the gospel But for several years, he was able to go ahead and preach. No man hindering him. Because they realized, short of cutting his head off, we can't do anything about this guy. He's just, I mean, you put him in the darkest dungeon and he starts shouting and praising God. And then all the other prisoners, we don't have a prison left for them. Could you imagine somebody down in the Cross County Jail gets gets falsely imprisoned? They start praising God and the whole courthouse just crumbles. I think they'd stop putting you in jail. Didn't cost Paul millions of dollars to rebuild that prison. But Lacrosse County would be like, uh, let's, let's just go put an ankle bracelet on that guy. Forget it. He's going he's gonna to shout this place down. I think it'd be cool, personally. But I shouldn't say that. I'll be in jail next week. <laughs> But Paul admits there's pleasure in sin. No doubt there's some of the things that the flesh would rather do than follow Jesus. Uh, um, he, he, but he also states that pleasures are only for a season. Um, they're brief um, and, until the pain comes, until the uh, things are destroyed, until all kinds of uh, problems start to arise that, that nobody foresaw. And then, then all of a sudden, you know, people, people keep talking about this drinking business and, and um, you know, how there's nothing wrong with it. But um, alcohol uh, is, is a cause of over 85% of divorces. They used to say it was money. Now they're saying it's alcohol. Well, now they say alcohol or other chemicals. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Just keep brewing it. Keep naming baseball teams after it, praising it. Oh, did I say that out loud? Keep supporting it. Okay, I'll just I'll shut up now. Um, <clears throat> so the, the the problems that people say, well, that's not a problem in my life, but it's a problem in everybody else's life. There are more problems than there are anything else. People think I'm strange because I still I I still stand in the camp that says stay away from it. Well, you're just strange, really. Um, you don't realize where I came from. I came from a family that saw nothing wrong with it. Yet we were tanked all the time. And we were broke all the time. And we fought all the time. And we were sick all the time. But there's nothing wrong with it. 
You can't tell me who's experienced the nastiness of it that there's nothing wrong with it. And you also can't tell me that Jesus isn't real because he's already filled me with his spirit. Sorry, too late. You came way too late to tell me that there is no God. He's already filled me and changed my life. Jesus is better. He's better. People struggle along. They struggle along. They struggle along. We don't, we don't need healing until the pain is so bad that we can't heal ourselves anymore. Some people struggle with addictions and, and, uh, and they, they struggle with anger. And uh, anger is a real deal in the church today. It's a real bad deal in the church today because people think, well, you know, I can be angry, but I just don't, I, 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 can, I can survive with this. I can live with this. God still loves me. Yes, he does, but he doesn't want you angry. The Bible says be angry and sin not. The problem is our anger is driving us to sin. And anger, most of the time, is hidden. We, we hide our anger because it's painful. People don't realize that addiction is really not the problem. Addiction is their solution to a problem that's already existing. That's their solution. The addiction that they have, they think is the only answer they have. They think that's the solution. Addiction's not the problem. Instead of, instead of trying to destroy the addiction, we need to find the problem and solve the problem. We're spending billions of dollars fighting addiction while all we're doing is taking somebody off of one drug and putting them on another one. We're just taking them off of this drug and giving them a legal drug. So now they're saying, why don't we just legalize it all so we don't have any problems? People are suffering from things that, that they, they don't even know what the wounds are because they've covered them up so long. They, they've, they've put some, they put a chemical or, 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 or something else over top of it so long. They buried it so deep that they don't, they don't even know what it is either. So the, the answer is getting them to Jesus. Jesus Christ is going to uncover some stuff that you don't have any idea was even there. You don't know it was there or you did and you just hid it for so long that you thought it was. You thought you were out being cool and, and, and finding your way and your path while you're, while, while you're so bruised and beaten and, and hurt. that And people go, well, you know, I, just, I, 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 can, I can take care of this on my own. No, we can't. Because if we're a picture of having things together, we're a pretty poor picture. Anger is a problem. Anger, many times, doesn't come out in people killing other people. Sometimes they just kill themselves. I'm not talking about, you know, suicide, but it could lead to that. But most of the time, it's just a self-destructive life. I'm just destroying myself. And in destroying myself, I get back at them for hurting me. Wait a minute. Hold on. That's, we don't play vengeance and revenge. Getting back at somebody never does get back at them anyway. You're the one that ends up in the mess while everybody else is just continuing to go their way. So with addictions and with anger and things, we end up creating our own little religion. We might call it Christianity or our brand or our flavor. I had a preacher tell me, well, you know, Christianity is like Baskin-Robbins, only we have more than 31 flavors. I said, we don't need a different flavor of Jesus. I said, we need a biblical Jesus. Amen. He's like, well, you know, you have your flavor and we have ours. I'm like, what do we? no, 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 no. This isn't taste and see which flavor of the day you're in. This is taste and see that the Lord, He is good. 
So we make up our own little religions. This is our way of dealing with our problems. We, uh, you know, some people create their create a god out of money or drugs or alcohol or sex or food or success or popularity or worldliness. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that we make a god out of isn't isn't a problem until we make a god out of it. In fact, some of it is just what we need to get by. I mean, we still need money to pay bills, right? But when we make a god out of it, now all of a sudden it's a problem. And so, so we, we have to recognize the only crutch I need is Jesus Christ because I'm broken spiritually. So I need Jesus. Say, well, he's your crutch. You better believe he's my crutch. Without him, you should see my life. I don't make an apology for needing God. I need God. I don't make an apology for that and act like, oh, poor, poor, pitiful me. I have to have Jesus to get by. It's not that I have to have Jesus to get by. It's that you can't understand the power that comes into a person's life until you let Jesus into your life. I mean, what else is going to raise you from the dead? What else is going to forgive your sin? What else is going to give you resurrection power? What else is going to promise you eternity on streets of gold? Jesus is better. He's better. Okay, 2 Peter um, 2.22 says, But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. If we choose life, we're not spiritually sick, our soul's not destroyed, and our life is not dirty anymore. If we choose life. If we choose Jesus. The Spirit that He gives... Jesus understood it. Everybody who's received it has understood it. That the spirit he gives is better than any spirit this world can offer. Jesus knew it when he said, I have water to drink of, you'll never thirst again. He knew it. We know it. If we've received his spirit, we know it. The promise of eternal life is great and wonderful and awesome, but you get to a point where that is not the only reason you serve Him. That's the reward at the end. But you get to a point where I'm not serving the Lord just for eternity. I'm serving the Lord because I love Him. You kind of get to the point where heaven is fantastic and wonderful and awesome, but it's a reward. It's not your reason. People like to like to come into the church because I mean, years ago everybody preached hell, 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 and it's real and it's 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 hot and it's miserable and it's not going to be fun and it's going to be it's going to be horrible and and I I still every now and then I still preach on hell, but. But but I can't I can't I can't serve God just to escape hell. Because the longer I serve him, the less I feel the flame. When more and more sin leaves my soul, the less I feel the flame. So my fear of hell is going to leave because the peace of God has taken over. When the peace of God takes over, it's supposed to. It's supposed to. The fear of hell is supposed to leave you. But some people have to have enough fear in their life to direct them. Like little kids, they have to have enough fear of mom and dad to do the right thing. But sooner or later, you can't you can't be instilling fear into your kids. You've got to instill relationship into them. Amen. It's okay to make a two-year-old a little bit afraid. But when they get to be a little older, you don't want them so scared that they won't come talk to you. 
you want them to come and talk to you because you can you can work it out with them you can communicate with them and and you're not going to club them over the head like you really wanted to when you were they were two I mean you still want to club them over the head but it's still you just you kind of back the club off a little bit and you say all right you're you're getting a little older let's discuss this cuz two year olds you don't discuss anything with you can't discuss anything with a two year old there's just no discussion yeah <laughs> but when they get a little older now it's discussion time let's let let's let's talk about this you know when they when they get to be teenagers you should be able to talk with them if you're not able to talk with them um, it's not the parent that's in rebellion it's the child that won't talk to their parent because the parent is always willing to talk to their child moving on <clears throat> We shouldn't let fear lead us because fear eventually drives us away from the Lord. And the very thing that we fear the most becomes part of our life. John sitting in a prison cell spent his life preaching about the one who was better and coming after him. When they returned to him, they declared to him, don't worry, John. He's the real deal. Don't be offended by him. He is better. He's better than the lies the devil's been telling people. He's better than the sin that's been destroying people's souls. He's better than anything that uh, this world would, would shame you of. He's the real deal. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor are receiving the gospel. What you've been preaching, John, is coming to pass. John went to his grave knowing that he didn't preach in vain. Would you stand with me? Some would say, well, I'm not, I'm not a preacher. I don't know how this applies to me. You don't need a pulpit to be a preacher. You just need a person to talk to. So well, I'm not a preacher. See, we got our own mindset of what preaching is. We think preaching is standing in front of a congregation, preaching the word of God. No, you just you can be sitting, drinking a cup of coffee, or standing and standing in the back of your pickup truck someday, just talking to somebody about Jesus. They think that you're preaching to them well don't preach to me wait a minute hold on I'm not preaching I'm not standing in a pulpit preaching has a lot of faces but the bottom line is we have to tell people Jesus is better we have to tell them he's better we can be popular, we can have money, we can have great jobs, real success. We could have a lot of stuff that, that tends to, uh, we think, makes our lives better. And on, some, on some, level, some levels, that is, it will make your life better on some levels. But without Jesus, we're not satisfied. We might be well cared for, we might be... Um, a little pampered and, and, and have a lot of different luxuries and stuff but without Jesus we're really not satisfied Jesus wants our life to be a good life he does but he's not displaying you for worldly success he's displaying you for kingdom success Psalm 145, verse 16, Thou openest thine hand 
and satisfies the desire of every living thing. I don't know about you, but to know that the Lord has opened his hand to me means everything. The God of all creation would look at me and open his hand to me. It's an invitation. It's an invitation into the kingdom of God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Oh, King, oh, King, oh, King, you are better. Jesus, you are better. You're better than anything this world could afford. You're better than anything this world would offer. You are better, Jesus. And Lord, I just want to tell people how good you are. I want to tell them how great and wonderful and awesome you are. I don't want to tell them, Lord Jesus, how life can be more abundant. I want to tell them, Lord Jesus, how you can take their anger. I want to tell them, Lord Jesus, how you can, you can, you can just absolutely turn their life around. That the things that they are addicted to today won't even get their attention. They won't even get a glance when you do a miracle in their life. Lord, the things that I was addicted to, I don't even, they don't even deserve a glance from me today. I don't even glance that way, Lord Jesus, because, because I found a better way. I found the way, the truth, and the life. I found you, Jesus. Thank you, my King for opening your hand to me. Thank you, my King, 